What's up, Browns fans? Excited to talk to you guys about a huge partnership between the OBR Film Breakdown and FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the calendar year. And to kick things off, we have a great opportunity for the listeners of this podcast. You can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with the promo code OBR, very simple, OBR, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams, such as the Browns, making some smart bets on the Browns, right? Uh, and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with the promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And if you know, you listen to this podcast, really the sportsbook that I trust when I pass along information on Sunday's pregame shows, uh, I always go to FanDuel. I think they do a fantastic job. Disclaimer here, obviously, 21+. plus. And you have to be present in Ohio. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, which is again, 1-1-2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, let's get to today's OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Hi guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your Wednesday, November 9th episode, and if you paid attention to yesterday's episode, we're going to do a similar thing today. Uh, I'm the host, Jake Burns. I'm going to bring in Jared Mueller as our guest here in just a second. I know the bye week has caused some uh, schedule uh, rifts here between when we can get people on and and not, and obviously uh, trying to get back on that schedule a little bit. John Colosimo joined me yesterday for a great episode grading the first half of the season for the Browns on offense uh, collectively and player performance-wise with some fun questions at the end. We're just going to replicate that here. We're going to do it with the defense, uh, talk about them, get you know, get sort of granular with player performance. A lot more players have played defensively than offensively, but there's obviously less stats to go over, so it, it might be a little hastier, but we'll also get to those fun questions at the very end. Jared, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. How was your bye week? You know, it's weird. A bye week always messes with me. It just feel Everything feels off, uh, especially coming off of a Monday Night Football and then you get this whole weather or not weather change, but a time change. And it's like, all right, it is midnight at six o'clock at this point in time, it feels like. And and yes, folks, I am old. Yeah, it's I thought for some reason, man, I thought it was not happening this year. I, I guess I had thought that there was some vote on it or something and, and they, had, they had taken it. I don't know. Maybe that'll happen eventually. But I was under this really weird notion that we weren't going to have the clock reset. Uh, did, am I an idiot? Was there a conversation about yeah, there this? Is, I thought? Yeah, there's something approved. There's something going through Congress. I actually thought you were talking about the bye week, which I somehow had as happening the week before Deshaun Watson came back. So I was all messed up when it came to a bye week. Uh, so I was messed up on bye week. You were messed up on the time change. Yeah, there's still conversation in Congress. One of them has passed it, I believe, but it's not there yet. We got to figure it out. Very simple thing. And yeah, the bye week 
What was the bye week last year, Jared? I think I said it on yesterday's show, but I believe it was like week 13. It was so it was. late. It, it was, was to the so point late. that they were like, we don't even want it. It was so late. I remember a couple guys saying that. So it is nice to have it sort of at the midseason point. Obviously, they have nine games left to the eight games that they've already played. But uh, nonetheless, am I right about that? They played yep. eight? Yeah, nine. So it's up yeah, to you, 17. We can't, do mid, we, can't, we can't do midseason because we'd have to do that at halftime of this week's game. So, you know, we're going to have yeah. to call this the midseason. Tough pod to do at halftime of a game. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about defense. I don't have the EPA stuff. I, I apologize for that. I'm doing a write-up similar. If you didn't see today, I did a write-up of some of the uh, tendencies and performances of the offense at the OBR in a film breakdown format. Things I've liked, things I've disliked, what they have to get better at and where they've been thriving. I'll do that for the defense too, and we'll have some of that EPA and DVA, uh, DVOA data that I think is really paramount to get the big picture look at them. But we can talk some big picture stuff. Now, some teams in the league haven't had bye weeks, so this can be a little skewed. But defensively, according to Pro Football Reference, uh, the Browns, is, in terms of points for, ranked 24th. Not good enough. Yards down at 15th, though, uh, so a little bit better. They have not created a ton of turnovers. They've only created, uh, at this point, I think they've only created eight turnovers. So they have 20. that's 22nd in the league. So uh, the fumbles lost category... Uh, the Browns are uh, actually on offense uh, doing pretty terrible in terms of their fumbles being lost, but they're doing better recovering fumbles this year than last year. 11th in opponent first downs. The passing data is pretty encouraging um, for the most part. They've, they've kept yards about average 15th, thanks to playing Lamar Jackson, obviously when they went for under 100, and then Marcus Mariota mixed in there too. Uh, and they've had their bye week, which obviously helps. And again, I'm not calling this data perfect, but it does give us a little bit of a picture. They've given up 10 touchdowns in the passing game. That's 13th. Uh, they've only created three interceptions. I think you would agree with me that the interception numbers have been way too low. 27th in the league there. And they have averaged, uh, opponents have averaged a 6.4 net yards per attempt. So that's 22nd. So not great, but not terrible. The defensive uh, rushing stuff is where it gets dicey, right? They've Given up 13 rushing touchdowns, which is 30th in the NFL, 21st in yards per attempt, 22nd in total yards aided by the bye week. So that that also doesn't uh, doesn't help all too much. Uh, and they are uh, um, turnover. Like I said, the turnover percentage of drives ending in a turnover on the offense is 21st. So they haven't really created enough of those, but they have done a pretty nice job keeping teams out of scoring drives. They were actually seventh in uh, opponent uh, percentage of drives that end in some sort of score. I haven't looked at the field goal data. I know it was hilariously bad last year, Jared, where nobody missed kicks against them, but it does seem like some kicks are being missed this year. You know, that's yeah, uh, like one, maybe two, like that, that finally happened. Right. I, I think yeah, last year yeah. it was without a lot of blocks in the NFL. Like it's not something the Browns are going to get credit for or whatever, but uh, it still has been kind of ridiculous how the how how many field goals have been made, but yeah, this year it seems to be turning around. That may be one of those regression of the means that has nothing to do with the actual team, uh, but somehow, some way, finally, some field goals are getting missed, and it's not just Cleveland kickers. Yeah, ironically enough, two of those uh, two of those block kicks have come against the Browns. So block kicks don't seem to be happening to many teams on the NFL, but the Browns have found that unfortunate luck over the last few weeks. And, uh, but again, to your larger point, some of the regression stuff does seem to be happening where some kicks are missing here and there. Um, just, just a little bit more than we're accustomed to seeing every single kick go through the, the, the post. It was kind of nice to see McPherson struggle a little bit on Monday night football to, to, to maybe ground some people who have uh, some Cade York angst. We'll talk about special teams at the end. We'll, we'll, let's dive into this though. We'll, we'll go position by position and try to do, let's do secondary first. And a reminder, we're going to say that these guys have either been at uh, sorry, above expectations, 
at expectations or below expectations. So that's kind of how we're uh, looking to grade these guys uh, according to what we've seen. I'm not going to give them a letter grade or anything crazy like that, but I think this is a this is a sort of fun way to go about looking at what they've done. So safety, we've really had three guys play significant snaps that matter. We've had John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, Grant and John have both played 494 snaps. Actually, Delpit has 495. Ronnie Harrison's been on the field as the dimebacker for 114 snaps. So we'll start with John Johnson. Um, I would say, you know, his his letter grade stuff is, again, um, pretty bad compared to his L.A. run. Not as good as last year where he came on strong at the end. Maybe he does have a second half where he can be a little bit better. But he's a 59.2 defense grade, struggling in the tackling department where he's at a low 30 grade and has nine missed tackles on the year already. Uh, his 63.9 coverage grade is not uh, as great as you would like it to be in the run defenses down at 52.1. Uh, on the year, he's had 10 stop tackles so far, 33 total tackles, which again, that means he's had nine miss, 33 total. That's not an encouraging discrepancy there at all. 10 of 18 uh, accredited passes thrown in his direction. 10 of 18 completed 114 yards. He's responsible for a touchdown allowed. He does not have an interception, but he does have two pass breakups. He has had 129 box snaps, 312 at free safety and 45 in the slot. So still primarily playing deep. I continue to think, let me put it this way. This one's a little dicey with John. He's not playing the role still that he played in LA. He's not as forward a player as he was over there. So I think he's actually playing at expectations for what I would expect him to play as a true deep coverage, free safety. If he was closer to the line, I think it'd be different. He's not below. He's not been absolutely terrible. Some people might disagree with me. He's not been absolutely terrible, but he's been, at the lower tier of ad expectations, they need him to be better. But again, it's hard for me to say when I think he's still playing out of position that he's all to blame for this. So um, it's an expectations versus reality thing, John, uh, with John for me, Jared, where I just don't think he's playing where he's supposed to play. So I think he's at expectations of being a very average free safety. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. But in the end, you know, John Johnson is supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the organizer at some level, even if he wasn't the play caller. And we've just seen too many times where the defensive backs, the corners, the safeties are just looking at each other very, very confused. And even times where Johnson is primarily supposed to be that run defender in the box, right? And and he's still struggling. And so I think while I get exactly what you're saying, for me, he's just He's below expectations. He's under expectations given everything, given his role. I get that he shouldn't be their primary free safety. Uh, it'd be great if they actually had a real free safety. But in the end, he just hasn't been playing impactful even when he is in the box. And so overall, again, I add contract to that as well. Uh, you know, John Johnson was the guy, right? He was that savior on the second level or the third level, I'm sorry, and just hasn't been that. So for me, he's still under expectations especially when you look at what he did at the second half of last year when he really turned it around. So you thought maybe it took a little adjustment to get used to the Joe Wood system, but he regressed in the first half. So I'm still at under expectations. Uh, obviously, he could look better uh, more in the strong safety role, uh, but he hasn't looked good even when he has been that box safety. 
I, I think that's fair. I think I think I'm being a little generous uh, in my approach, just largely because I hate how they play him um, based on what they signed him for, and I still believe that they missed on a free safety they wanted and panicked a little bit and never really supplanted John with somebody to do the things that he uh, you know, is doing right now and could push him into a more of a utility Swiss army knife type of role, because that's what he was in LA and he was, he was damn good at it. So, um, we'll see, we'll see if that shifts or if he has a big second half, like, like you just said, he did midway through last year, also get the green dot. And then he did also kind of launch from there, have a really nice second half of the year. And I think he's at least in my opinion, trending in a better direction than he was earlier in the earlier portions of the season. Uh, Grant Delpit, again, 495 snaps for Grant. He has a 56.5 defense grade, so a little bit below John. What he's much better at has been run defense, where he's grading out at a really strong 81.7 and a tackling grade of 67.5. But the issue for him is coverage, where he's at 48.6 and has been pegged with several of the coverage busts that are obviously big coverage busts and big moments of the game. So he's had three total hurries on a quarterback in terms of pressure when he's been sent on a blitz. 35 tackles, 13 assisted tackles, um, 13 stop tackles. And again, stop tackles constitute a negative of any variety for the opposing team uh, kind of at the line or behind the line. And then he's had only six missed tackles, which again, only six. It's still a little high, but not terrible. The problem has been that he's given up 242 receiving yards. So same amount of targets for Grant as John, 18, but he's allowed 13 catches, 242, 113 yards after catch two touchdowns responsible for allowing. He has one interception and four pass breakups, but the, the, the misses he's had have been really bad. He's been used a bit more of the, uh, you know, a flexible, strong safety type variety, 207 D line snaps. That's walked up close uh, inside the tackle box. And he's had 213 at free safety and 54 at slots. So that gives you an indication of sort of where he's been playing. Um, to me, Grant is below expectations because I had a higher expectation for him coming into the second year of health and the increased role and all of that. So I thought he would be a little bit better than what he's been. I'm not I'm not ready to write Grant off. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's had some really bad mishaps that a lot of the group has had this year collectively as well. I think he's been playing a little bit better of late, but I, I would say he's been under expectation for what we all thought we were going to get from Grant this season. Yep, I'm absolutely there with you. I think it's funny that his tackling grade is his best grade because obviously that was the the knock on him coming out of LSU. I do wonder if, <clears throat> excuse me, the Achilles injury um, both continues uh, to affect his physical play, but also losing that season as a rookie, did that really impact kind of his development? Okay, so I would agree with that. The, the, there certainly could be more lingering. Um, I, I, his second half is, we'll talk about that later. It's going to be important. Ronnie Harrison, 114 snaps, uh, so not many. Has really been their dime guy they bring onto the field when they want to take a backer off the field. So he's had 65 snaps, 66 in the slot, 39 in the box. He's not really played any free safety, only two. And then he's been along the D-line uh, up close to the ball four times. So that tells you how they're using him. He has one pressure on the season uh, and sorry, a sack uh, as well in terms of what that pressure resulted in seven tackles, uh, two stop tackles, um, not really much else to note, two of three in targets uh, for the year and uh, allowed 22 passing yards. I think he's been at expectation. I, I mean, they signed Ronnie back for a cheap season. I don't think he was, uh, there's probably not much to say here. He's brought back for a cheap uh, season. He was never going to supplant the other two guys. And he's, he, they've minimized his role because of how often he was leaky in the second 
uh, third level of the field last year. And I think he's been fine as a dimebacker when they want a little bit more speed on the field. I am concerned about the two missed tackles and only 114, uh, you know, reps uh, out there, snaps on the field. But again, for the role cheap, I think he's fine. Anything to add to that, Jared? Nope. Add expectations. He didn't find anything in free agency. Man, to look back at when they first got him and he got on when he finally got yeah. on the field after learning the defense and he looked like, oh, my goodness, they got a steal. And now you're like, eh, he probably won't be back. And they only paid him a million dollars this year. He's only played 114 snaps. Yeah, his role is pretty defined as a very specific. And uh, I don't see that changing all too much. Let's shift over to corner now where there have been three guys who have seen a lot of snaps. And we'll touch on Greedy, too, because he's had 76. So. Um, we'll start with Denzel Ward, who seems like he's on track to play this week, according to the staff, but with concussions and uh, any minute variable changes, you never know. Denzel's had a really rough year, man. Um, if I'm looking at what he's done year over year, he has graded out 78.9 defense grade his rookie year, 70 his second year, 70.5 his third, 77 grade last year. He's sitting at a 39.8 collective defense grade this year, 41.5 in run defense a 40 tackling grade and a 43.2 coverage grade. It has been a miserable start to the season for Denzel. And I'm hoping that some things like with this break, he's going to come back and play like the guy we know, because this just seems way too wide in the variable spectrum. Like he's never been this bad. 16 tackles, three missed tackles, only one stop tackle, 16 of 25 targets allowed. Uh, 16 catches on 25 targets, 293 yards, a touchdown allowed, one interception against the Falcons, one pass breakup. So I don't know, man, like he just seems a beat slow. He doesn't seem engaged. He's been the problem on contain and run stuff several times where he's just like haphazardly leaked inside and just not been the contain guy they need him to be and inside run concepts. Like I just haven't seen him. Uh, I'm obviously saying well below expectations here, given the contract they gave him and what we know of Denzel. Uh, like just, I, I don't really know what else to say other than I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by how, how bad he's been against what they need him to be. And I'm just, I guess fingers are crossed here that he comes back from this, many issue with the concussion and is the guy that we know because they need him desperately to be the guy we know. And, and Ward is actually really interesting because I have felt like over the years he has been hot and cold, but he's been more hot with a little bit of cold, hot with a little bit of cold, whereas he's just been bad the start of the season. Right. And so I think it's interesting that it almost seems like he's just kind of brought all of those bad snaps altogether, but I've always kind of felt like Denzel has been a hot and cold player. It's just been a little bit more uh, up and down roller coaster where this has just really been going downhill most of the season. So he's obviously well below um, what is expected of him given the contract, given what, you know, players in the NFL talk about Denzel Ward as a top five cornerback and oftentimes are talking about him in that top three kind of realm and we've seen nothing like that from him. Um, obviously, we're not going to talk about a concussion as, as an injury issue, uh, specifically as we would other things. But he has had some injury issues. And you do worry about, um, I believe this is his second or third concussion. And so you start to worry about some of that brain-related stuff where players just really need to protect themselves and care for themselves. Does he start to get worried about sticking his head in there? And so, again, that there's just so much negative about you know, his season so far that it's well, well below expectations. And perhaps maybe 
at least on the defensive side of the ball, he might be the worst when it comes to expectations and what he's actually played. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair in terms of like, you know, we, we already discussed sort of the scope of expectations with John. There's It's cut and dry with Denzel. You're expecting him to be at the bare minimum a good corner. And, you know, th- there have been people who have challenged to say he needs to be like, he should be in the elite group. Well, I've thought he's borderline, but this has been, it's been putrid. Like Deontay Johnson gave him a ton of fits when they played. Like if you go down the line and you look at performances against Carolina, he was relatively respectable two of three for, for 24 yards. But I mean, that was Baker Mayfield was abysmal in that game for the most part, but the jets game, they, they picked on him at will Pittsburgh went six of 10 in his direction. Atlanta was his only strong game and Atlanta had seven completions in the game. So they're not really rolling around in, in wide receiver town. But then again, against the chargers before he went out with that injury, it was terrible. Again, it was, it was extremely bad five of six in his direction for 89 yards. And, and, and guys like Mike Williams give him fits, but He's got to figure out a way. I mean, he's got a massive contract here, and there's a lot of, of uh, expectations heaped on the shoulders of that player. They they need him to be himself badly, badly, badly. So uh, let's keep going down through the corners, though. Martin Emerson, uh, 362 snaps, which is, which is a really high volume, and he's almost just been Denzel Ward. He's a 76.2 grade. He is a... Uh, Run defense, which has never been Denzel's strong suit. He's right at the 50% mark, 50 grade mark, and both that and tackling. He's missed seven tackles, which is a little more than I thought he would. Uh, 31 total tackles, but eight stop tackles as a corner, uh, an outside corner. You like that. Um, 28 of uh, 45 given up in his direction. So he's been challenged a lot, but only given up 253 yards. But he has five pass breakups, uh, which is what you like to see. He's been, he's been good. He's been respectable. He's been challenged. And I think he's rose to the occasion. He's well above expectations for anything. I thought I didn't even know if Martin would get on the field much this year, let alone be (laughs) a guy they're trusting to do a lot of different things. And, um, he's been, he's been respectable. One of the better graded corner rookies in the class. And I think you have to feel really good about young, young Martin Emerson here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when he was drafted, so he's the Browns' first draft pick this year, right? So they traded out of the second round uh, with Houston, got all those, you know, got those extra picks. Um, and so the 17th ranked corner in the NFL this year is is by PFF, you know, and I think what's really interesting is he's a really physical corner and normally rookies don't kind of get that respect from referees and they get called for a ton of different penalties. And now I know he's gotten called for a couple, uh, but in the end, he really is allowed to play physical because it shows that he's playing really smart with his physicality. He's not just being physical to be physical. So yeah, absolutely above expectations to get somebody like that in the third round who, you know, and when he was drafted, he was at best going to be their fifth cornerback, right? Behind greedy Troy Hill hadn't been traded yet. Um, and obviously knew some Denzel Ward and all of a sudden with Ward's injury and play, all of a sudden, Newsom is your top outside cornerback. Never expected to think that when the draft pick actually happened. No, no, I don't think any of us did. So encouraging there, um, you now imagine if those two could get on the same page. Anyway, continuing down, Greg Newsom, who's just their slot corner, 481 snaps, most of the cornerback group in general. Uh, of those snaps, 214 in the slot, by far the most of any player on the roster. He's had 193 uh, outside snaps as well. Uh, 67 uh, grade, 60 in the run defense department, 62 in tackle, 47 in pass rush, but there's not many. There's only 11 
blitz snaps for him. And then a 68 in coverage. I think it's just been a completely quiet Greg Newsom season. He has 19 tackles, three stop tackles, sorry, 10 stop tackles, three missed tackles, 21 of 32 catches in his general direction, 226 a touchdown allowed, no interceptions, no pass breakups. But, you know, I don't really know um, what else to I, – I can't – this is going to sound bad, but I can't really even think of one Greg Newsom play. Like there's really – it's just sort of been oddly quiet for him. He's, he's, he's doing his job. He's fine. He's grading respectfully, especially for a guy transitioning to really a full-time inside corner. He certainly stays out on the field and base stuff. So when they need, uh, they bring on an extra backer, they take off uh, somebody else, depending on who's out there. Greg slides to outside corner, but he's been fine. I would hope for more. I guess he's been an add expectations player for me. He hasn't been above. He hasn't been below. So uh, I would be inclined to hope that there's more for him out there in the second half, but it's hard to get mad. I mean, about his play, he's been fine in general. The run support stuff has been decent. So I don't have a problem with Greg Newsom. Anything to add to that? No, I think it's one of those questions of whether or not uh, is Newsom, you know, he's been targeted 32 times. Is he not getting targeted a ton because he's playing well, or is he getting not getting targeted a ton because Denzel Ward has been on the field? Sometimes Greedy Williams is on the field. Those a rookie is on the field. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it feels very, very quiet uh, with Greg Newsom with cornerback. That normally is a good thing, um, but we're not. You know, it's hard to tell. And and some of those coverage breakdowns really make it difficult to go, wait, was that him? Was that this guy? Was that this guy? Um, I know PFF has him uh, with that 75-yard blown coverage for a touchdown. Um, Outside of that, he hasn't given up a lot of yardage, those kind of things. So, yeah, I I would say, you know, at expectations, um, maybe slightly below expectations in that he's, you know, last year he felt more impactful um, with eight pass breakups, that kind of thing. So, uh, just not as involved as you would hope them to be. Yeah, just just hasn't made splash plays. Doesn't mean he hasn't done his job, made tackles, made you know, been in the right hook zone, covered the right people, been where he needs to be. But uh, you know, as a part of, I mean, the big reason to me why they've had an uptick in man to man coverage of late is because they like him in the slot covering people, and I think he's good at it. It just hasn't led to any impact plays. Kind of strange to have eight games of a guy playing four hundred eighty one snaps and be like, hmm, I can't really think of anything crazy that's happened in his direction one way or the other. And I think PFF just sort of tallied that. Uh, that one to him, and I'm not totally sure based on the rules for their coverage that that 75 yard Mayfield to Robbie Anderson touchdown that it should have been on him. There's a lot of I talked to several different defensive people, and they are all saying it could be this guy or that guy. It's just based on how they teach it, and they're never going to be like, well, hey, we teach it this way, and it was actually this guy's fault because you know you got opposing offense coordinators who are sitting there ready to eat that information up and game plan accordingly, right? So you'll never see a coach give you uh, how they teach it and who's to blame and blown coverage stuff that they, they, they keep that. Nope. Sort of um, Greedy is the other guy who's played a decent number of snaps, 76, um, three games coming off the ham. I think it was a hamstring issue he had in the, in the early portions of the year. So a 56 grade 55 in coverage. I thought he got pushed off on the T Higgins touchdown last week. Um, he has four tackles, one stop tackle. Hasn't missed a tackle yet. Four or five targets in his direction, 62 yards, one touchdown, sorry, two touchdowns allowed. Doesn't have a play on the ball, either an interception or pass breakup. But I mean, Greedy's at expectations. I think he's a pretty average NFL corner. I don't think he's been a problem. Um, again, I think the one touchdown that he allowed, uh, to, to T Higgins last week was he got away with it. So, um, I don't have any, I would just say he's an ad expectations player. What do you think? 
and even last week, remember, Will Greedy sat on the sideline most of that game with uh, an illness, right? And so all of a sudden, then he's in the game guarding uh, T. Higgins. And I mean, again, I think he pushed off a little bit, especially compared to the Amari Cooper uh, push off the week prior that the Browns got called for. Um, but, you know, last week, last or last game, week eight, you know, he played a total of 25 snaps and much of the game, he had a towel over his head on the bench because he wasn't feeling well. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's an average corner or, or a little bit below. He doesn't seem really comfortable uh, getting physical, but he doesn't seem really comfortable with zone concepts. He's just an acceptable player. He's not, you know, he's he's probably a, just a guy, as we would yeah. call him. Just a guy. AJ Green, five games, mostly specials, only played 40 snaps. Played a lot of snaps last week um, and was decent, right? He uh, He's given up two catches and three targets for 28, but he had an interception, kind of ball that Miles Garrett uh, gifted to him. But I don't really have anything to say about AJ. I didn't think AJ would push for snaps with the depth they have here, but it's nice to be able to put him out there when they need to. So another guy would just say it's add expectations so far as a special yep. team and just around. So, okay, that wraps up the secondary. We're going to take our first break. We'll come back and do linebacker edge and interior guys. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back. One, a couple quick words from our sponsors. Browns fans, I know you guys are pumped about the turn of the corner here with the gambling stuff. It's about to hit, right? 1-1 of 2023. You're going to be able to go out and gamble in-state legally, and that means the folks at FanDuel are offering you, as America's number one sportsbook, an opportunity here to get out in front of it and get $100 in free bets. The way you get this $100 in free bets, sign up today. Download the app, this FanDuel Sportsbook app. Use the promo code OBR. Get that $100 now. Don't wait. Don't push past the launch date. If you wait past the launch date, you're not going to get the $100 in free bets. So download that app, sign up, put in the promo code OBR, take advantage of that opportunity with FanDuel, get $100 in free bets. A reminder, 21 plus, present in Ohio, bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. Again, that's 1-1-2023. Unique user ident- uh, identity verification required. Offer ends on that go live date. I have mentioned twice now, 1-1-2023. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All righty, shifting now, Jared, to let's do linebacker first. It's it's a very mixed bag here, but we'll touch on JOK is where we'll start. 302 snaps for him, a 70 overall grade, 
The tackling number has been uh, worse this year than last year in terms of his overall score. Uh, as as I'm I'm pulling everything up here in front of me, uh, he had uh, last year missed tackles. He only had uh, 15. He's already at 10. Uh, but he has a trending toward a much more impactful stop tackle performance, which is a stop play. It doesn't have to be just runs. It could be in the pass game, too. Uh, he's at 23, and he had 34 last year. He's already forced two fumbles. Uh, he only had two last year. And in coverage, he's given up 14 of 19 for 152 and a couple touchdowns where he broke. He had a he had a poor break on uh, – he didn't he didn't understand a cover two concept in that Char- Chargers game where he was supposed to be. And he's only had one pass break up to four. I think – I think we had high expectations for JOK coming into this year. The coverage grade's been better. The tackling grade slipping has been concerning. He's at a high number of missed tackles. But again, not all missed tackles are created equal. This guy gets to places other people don't uh, don't because of his twitchiness. But he's uh, what I've seen this year, I've noticed some stuff. He just hasn't been as good. And the run defense grade collectively is down. And what I have also noticed, Jared, is teams are doing a really good job of late pickups on him. If you show him who's blocking him right away, he's going to make that guy miss. If it's a double team to climb to him and he doesn't know exactly which person's climbing to him, he's struggled with that. He has not been able to elude or shock shed as well as he needs to. He's had four games. So he started the year great Carolina Jets game. He was graded really strongly, but then he had four games, including the Pittsburgh game where he had a 29 5 in that game because he had some missed tackle issues and assignments blown. But then he went 47, 43, 9, uh, 51. And then Baltimore, he had a 90 grade, and we know he was out for the Cincinnati game. I would say this is not to say my opinion of him has changed, but he's been below what I've expected him to be. I expected JOK to launch into this, uh, and he's a microcosm of the defense in general here. I expected him to launch into the stratosphere of special, special football players in the NFL. And while he's gone, He's got plenty of respectable tape out there. He's still doing some some of the creative JOK things. He's not been the dude that I thought he would be. Now, again, could turn it around second half of the year, but if I'm just looking solely at first half of the year, I did not uh, did not think he met the expectations I had for him, which were pretty high, and that speaks to his caliber. Uh, that's a compliment, but I just don't think he's been where he's needed to be. You know, in a weird way, he kind of has met expectations for me only because he is – a unique linebacker, right? So rookie year, explosive, smaller, kind of gets around some blocks, can shed every once in a while, but really exactly what you talked about. Um, he needs to show that he can make the adjustments to the adjustments that were made to his rookie year, but he's not a prototypical linebacker. And so when you're not a prototypical player at a position, adjustments are going to come to you and you've now got to adjust back. So at, at some levels, while I was hopeful that he would kind of take that next step, I did have some expectations that the league would adjust to him and he would have to figure it out, right? He wasn't going to just win with pure speed and, and football IQ. He was going to have to do a little bit more where, you know, a prototypical prototypical sized linebacker who has a really good rookie year you kind of expect that to continue because he's doing it the way everybody has done it I just think JOK needs to take kind of that next step when it comes to adjustment as opposed to just thinking he's going to out quick or kind of get in the exact right position Uh, like you said they're bringing different pullers not sure he's got to read a little longer all of that kind of stuff but still the athletic talent just needs to make that next set of adjustments 
Agreed. Jacob Phillips at 36.7. He's at 320 snaps, most across the entire group, a 33.5 run defense grade. Uh, he's had a couple sacks, so his his pass rush grade and only 11 blitz snaps has been encouraging. But six missed tackles, only 32 tackles, 17 stop plays. I should mention JOK already back at 23, so uh, that tells you enough. And then he's 13 of uh, 18 in coverage. 172 yards on his behalf. He does have one pass breakup. Um, Jacob's below expectations for me. He's been uh, lost at times on the field, cannot decipher run schemes, is not fitting the run the way he needs to. The pass stuff, he cannot feel out routes when he's either in robot technique, reading play action, turn and run, and getting under routes. He doesn't feel out schemes. He just floats in space. He's a grass coverer. Uh, I have a lot of... um, as we, I'll try to tempo up on some of these guys. He's below expectations for me. I don't see the long-term fit for Jacob Phillips. I've just never seen him progress. And now another long-term injury. I know we're not even going to get him in the second half of the year. I just, uh, I think they're going to move on from him pretty soon here. You? It, yeah. I mean, I think he's under expectations. Could next year in his last year, he be a special teams ex, you know, he's fast, big, all that stuff, maybe. But beyond that, he's, he is uh, done with the Browns at the, at the latest. It'll be after next year. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, speed round on some of these others. So um, we don't have enough from Jordan Kunizic to grade. Tony Fields only has four snaps. But uh, Anthony Walker was playing exceptional, uh, well above expectations for me yep. in his 120. He was grading strongly in coverage and and collectively and everything. He had eight eight. Uh, um, sorry, he had five total pressures. Uh, he was getting after the quarterback. He had 21 tackles. He already had 15 stop tackles, a forced fumble. So. Um, just, just, uh, sucks to see him get hurt, but he was above expectations. Um, uh, would you agree with that? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dion Jones, not enough here. 74 snaps. He's been about what I expected, which is an aging linebacker who is struggling with a short, like he has a dead arm. I just, the left arm is not functionable enough to, to be a strong linebacker in the interior. I worry about it. He's below 50 and almost every category, uh, 54.9 in coverage. So he's only played 74 snaps. Uh, a couple missed tackles, seven tackles collectively, three stops. It's too early to really give him one direction or the other. Four or four targets are caught in his direction, 66. He's a, again, they got him for nothing. It was just uh, another body, and he's been at expectations for me, but he could slide below if he continues to be worse. Yeah, I'm expecting him to continue to slide. Unfortunately, we looked at the hope that he could be a savior despite what they barely gave up to get him uh, at the middle of the field, and, and it could be very possible that uh, Taki Taki and JOK are the two primary linebackers for the rest of the season. Yeah, Taki Taki is the one we got to talk about. Ben Sam on the field, like he, um, if you look at his snap counts over the course of games this year, uh, so just pure snap counts 10, 15. But then they're like, we got to get this guy on the field 31, 43, 46, 51, 36, 45. He's been on the field more. The 45 snaps that he had against the Bengals um, was the best football game I've seen him put together, predominantly playing Will Linebacker. Uh, looked insanely comfortable doing it. Nine tackles, six stop tackles in that uh, that game. He did give up seven catches, but they're all checkdowns. Forty-eight total yards off of him. He's he's got my attention in terms of has he figured this out? Has the game slowed down for him? Is he feel like his audition? We'll talk. He's my name for later, but he's in a spot where like they're looking at another contract for him and they're like, is there more here than just a, like a 15 snap Sam linebacker? Right? Like I think he's well above expectations for me. Absolutely. He's, he's been on my bubble list for the roster for 
<laughs> three seasons maybe. So yeah, absolutely above expectations for Taki Taki. PFF has him as their number eight overall linebacker, uh, which is pretty telling. Yeah, he's playing good football. I'm going to be fascinated to watch him. We'll switch to edges now. So Miles Garrett, 357 snaps and 92.9 grade, one of the best grades across defense. The 93.6 pass rush grade is elite. He's already at 41 um, pressures. He he finished last year with 78. He's got nine games instead of eight. He also missed a game uh, as well in there. So he's trending toward an even higher volume than his record number 78 last year. Eight sacks right now, 30 hurries, three hits. Uh, he has nine tackles. A little bit, um, a, a bit, a bit off in the run game stuff, largely because people go away from him a lot. But he has two forced fumbles, 15 stop plays, and um, is is somehow, like I said yesterday with Nick Chubb, still playing above even the ridiculously high expectations I have for him. So. Uh, a Miles is an above player for me, and and is it is just an elite physical specimen and a joy to watch, man. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's hard to under uh, it's hard to properly estimate Miles Garrett. I think the one thing that has been interesting is that uh, offensive offensive players have known they can or play callers have known they can run the ball, and so on downs when it's third and eight, third and nine, and Miles just goes right into pass rush mode is one of the times I think his run defense grade has suffered because no one thinks they're going to run the ball, but there's nobody else. And so miles is, you know, into his 1.5 second pass rush move and already at the quarterback and it's a draw, it's a counter, it's whatever. And so I do think they're taking advantage of miles Garrett and, and some of those seemingly pass oriented downs, but they have just been able to run the ball because of all the rest of the players we've been talking about or going to talk about. Yeah, largely guys to still talk about. Um, Clowney is five games, 190 snaps, 76.2 defense grade, strong again in the run as he traditionally is, and they have him as a 73.4 pass rush grade. But to to kind of with Newsom earlier, he has 13 total pressures, two sacks, 10 hurries, eight tackles, seven stop tackles. I just don't remember much. He was a pretty big week one factor, but I, I just don't. It's not much I've seen from Clowney that has popped out this year. He's doing his job when he's out there, but not, I mean, he's just an ad expectations. I think while last year he was above, he's just sort of playing good football and, and, and has just not made any splash plays this year, but he's out there. He's certainly a factor into force and all of that too. And they're better with him on the field clearly, but he's really just an ad expectations guy for me, hoping he can launch and have a nice second half, maybe with some bi-week health. It's below expectations for me, and it, I shouldn't okay. have had the expectations, but he he didn't stay healthy again, right? So five games, one of those games he went out um, when he hurt his ankle, when he went got one of his pressures, right? Um, and so for me, Clowney was the one real win-now move they did this offseason, right, with his, with his contract and, uh, you know, some of the void years that are on it, all of that kind of stuff. And so for him, just five games at this point, and one of those he went out with his injury um, late in that game, I believe he's just below expectations uh, given the contract, given the money that they need going into next year, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, If he can stay on the field the rest of the year, obviously uh, some of these numbers will continue to tick up and we're going to get to add expectations. I just don't see a way he's going to exceed the expectations after what he did last year. Yep. Good stuff. Alex Wright is grading really poorly i just haven't noticed him playing that poorly in 260 snaps he's like below 40 and 
all of the collective categories besides pass rush where he's at a 47. He has five stop tackles, uh, 11 total tackles, um, eight total pressures. He doesn't have a sack. I thought I think he's been sort of what I've expected him to be. I, I mean, when I watch them, I don't notice him struggling one way or the other. All he was bad in the Atlanta game. Like they've graded him poorly in uh, um, pretty much every game of late, except for New England and uh, the Carolina and Jets game at the beginning of the year. But I think he's kind of what I expected a, a rough rookie player from UAB to to play like. Uh, coming into the league. So I don't, I think he's been sort of what I've expected and he's got a chance to continue to develop. Would you say he's been below what you expected? No, he's about what I expected. Um, back before I took over the dogs by nature uh, at the Browns wire, I, I looked at every one of his snaps for a game and you saw a player who didn't have a plan in pass rush and was going to get washed away in any counters or any of those kind of things where it wasn't coming directly at him. He just looked like he was going to run into the right tackle and hope that he could run around him or overpower him, but didn't really have a plan. But that's what you expect from a developmental late third round pick who is a physical specimen, uh, but really doesn't have that technique down yet. So uh, playing more than he should have. Uh, Isaac Rochelle really failed. Chase Winovich, the two veterans. Yeah, those are those are our time. next two that are below yeah. expectation. They just have not. I mean. I mean, I, my expectations for Rochelle were low, but th- th- he's been rough when he's on the field and Winovich can't find the field. So they're below expectation for me. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Like those, those two guys that just haven't done anything uh, should have known when you trade uh, Mac Wilson for a player, you should yeah. not have expectations of that player. And yet we did. Yeah, we did. Um, we'll see Winovich finally off of the IR. So maybe he'll uh, find a way to, make some sort of impact. He shouldn't have cut his hair. I, I say that the bright spot has been Isaiah Thomas, right? Seventh round pick 94 snaps an uptick lately of more snaps. He's already got six pressures, um, a sack that was phenomenal the other night in the, in the Monday night game that we all highlighted and it's like, okay, that club swipe went off the edge, looked like 95. It's an encouraging seventh round pick early in this process. He has four uh, hurries, one hit, one sack on the quarterback. He has three total tackles, uh, two assisted, three stop plays. Uh, I, I'm encouraged with I, Isaiah Thomas. He's been above what I expected him to be. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, he already was above it when he when he made the team for me. So, sure. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and now you've actually seen some talent there. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I think that he's um, certainly got my eyes uh, the second half of the year here. Defensive tackles. Um, there's four guys that have played Taven, Brian, Jordan, Elliott, Tommy, Togi, I pair on Winfrey. I think across the board, we can say we're disappointed. Um, Taven, Brian has been an ad expectations guy for me. Uh, he has a 53 grade kind of fifties across the board, 14 pressures, two sacks, a hit 11 hurries, six total tackles, um, uh, four assisted. He's missed a couple tackles, but not bad. Five stop plays. He's really a pass rush type. And I, I think he's been, about what I expected them to be in his seven games, um, which is, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting much. So I think he's been a respectable defensive tackle. But, I mean, Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai are 33 and 36 grades collectively. I mean, Elliott has 14 pressures on the year in a sack, but he's a liability in run game. He doesn't anchor. And, I mean, Perrion Winfrey's the same way. He's got a 45.6 grade. Those guys have 353, 161, and 119 snaps collectively. And, um, I'm struggling to see Jordan Elliott is just running his course on the rookie deal. And I don't see a long term there. 
a second contract. Togiai has not developed into, I don't know what he's going to consistently do to win reps at this level. He just is not big enough and he's not quick enough. So that's a terrible mixture. And Winfrey is a guy coming from Oklahoma who has no clue how to handle double teams at the point of attack. It was just like, he blocked me on Twitter. I've never even mentioned him. I've never mentioned him. The only thing I posted was one time where I said, hard for Jacob Phillips to make a tackle when 97's in your lap. So apparently I garnered a block from Perrion well Winfrey. Uh, when searching I really try not to call out number. players. Yeah. Yeah. Searching yeah. your numbers so that you can get found. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, these three think... guys are below. I mean, the expectations oh, okay. were low, but they're all below it. I can't, I can't say they're, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a liability. The defensive tackle position, we'll talk about it in our key questions in a minute, but it's concerning, man. It is. And I think what's hilarious is you almost said positive things about Taven Bryan. And I was like, well, let me go ahead and look at these grades 53.2, right? Because compared to 39, great. Taven Bryan is the 114th ranked defensive tackle and he is the one you're like oh well he was he's he's okay right like that's that's yeah so relative to what's around him (laughs) yeah 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 it's bad man it it is it is bad that's going to launch us into our second half we've covered every player now um we've covered how we think this is a below expectations performing defense despite some positive trends toward the buy here but collectively the body of work is not encouraging we have some questions that are similar to the ones we had on offense the other day so we're going to get to those now uh, right after the break first question jared what did you like most about this defense in the first half and what did you like least about this defense in the first half um you know that's a great question so the the what i like most it's really going to be two it's miles garrett continue to be great right like he is even as the rest of the defense struggles, he has really stepped up seemingly as a leader, both verbally, but on the field, you're not seeing the rest of the players struggle around him affect him. Like, I think that's really telling of a player who cares, who's really honed in, obviously the car accident, whatever. Uh, and the second part that I really loved was, is Martin Emerson, right? To, to know that they can continue to look at cornerbacks and really know who to draft and develop. I thought Greg Newsom looked good. Now Martin Emerson is looking good. I think that's a really good sign that you can go, okay, they know what they're looking at at cornerback in a passing league. They've got that figured out at least at a minimum. We know that going forward for me, it's really, it's really that they're the part I hate is that their plan failed. It seemed like, and we talked about this earlier in in preseason, it seemed like the Browns wanted to invite the run. And a lot of teams are like, cool, we'll do that. And we'll be really good at it because, you know, Atlanta didn't, can't throw the ball, but they still won because Denzel Ward didn't keep contain and X, Y, and Z didn't happen in the run game. And so really that their plan to invite the run with a weak defensive tackle group, some concerns at linebacker, uh, has really paid off for opposing teams. That's really disappointing that that plan didn't work. Agreed. I, I would say c- kind of agree with obviously what you said, and I'm changing one of my answers because you took it, but that's okay. <laughs> what I like is what I would say least is how, how, how poorly cohesive they are in terms of the third year in a system. And that's disappointing. You could have told me that this was a brand new defensive coordinator and I would have believed you. And if they were replacing eight guys on defense, I would have, it has largely been the same guys here in the third year of a system. And it has been a disjointed group 
early in the year, cost them games with coverage busts, things of that nature. This should never happen in the second year, let alone the third year. It shouldn't even happen, period, spending all your time. This is your job. Um, but it, but that's been my issue is how disjointed the third year of a system looks for them where they're just either confused about where to line up, confused about the post snap uh, process, what they're supposed to do. And it's like, have you guys been, what, did they overhaul the playbook? Like what, what is your base stuff? Like, how can you just mess this stuff up? That part has been the single most frustrating part of this defense. What I've liked most is that they have adapted some toward the buy. They have upticked their man-to-man stuff because they're built to play more man-to-man. They have upticked it in a good way. They were uh, adaptable in coverage uh, to based on what I saw teams give the Ravens fits with and the Bengals fits with, and that's encouraging to me. Obviously, the Miles thing you pointed out is great, and I agree with that. But I will say if I'm looking for other positives – it's that they're trending away from things maybe Woods has done traditionally, and he's trying to say, okay, I just need to fit it more to my guys, and they're they're seeing some better results from that. So uh, that's an encouraging thing uh, to me at least. And, again, you're searching from the first half of the year. You're really searching for those things. Uh, which player has the most on the line the second half of the season? I would have said – I would say – you could you could try to say Denzel, but he's not. It's not. He has nothing. He's got a contract. He's here for three years. Not not. But I would say Taki Taki. Like he's yesterday. I think I think John made a good point about Postage about if Postage pushed together another strong second half of the season, somebody is giving him a big bigger contract, a JC Treader like contract. If Taki Taki puts Will snaps on the field or plays Mike uh, because they want to get JOK back at Will, like if he puts together games like he's done through the portion of the first half he's going to get a nice contract from somebody. It could be the Browns, but he's going to get a second NFL contract if he continues on the path. So he's got a lot on the line. Uh, You you know, I'll be interested to hear what you say. There's another player that comes to mind for me here, but he's got a, he's got, he's got a lot on the line here for his second, uh, second legs of the NFL. Yeah, that makes sense. Taki Taki is someone that he's easy to root for. So that's exciting to see on a positive. Uh, Mine is actually on the negative side. It's Jadavion Clowney. Um, you know, this is the, the, his second year in Cleveland prior to that, he's bounced around, uh, Seattle, um, Tennessee, obviously with Houston before that, I think for Clowney, he's really going to have an opportunity. I'm sorry, put it on the other side. He's got to downplay both the injuries and that he is just a run defender from a contract perspective, moving forward at his age. If he looks, if he thinks he's going to, get some of those Indomitian Sioux kind of deals. I do worry that if he doesn't show that he can stay healthy or do a little bit more that he's, he's going to go from, you know, the eight to $10 million range down to that four to $5 million range. I think he has a lot to lose primarily from a contract perspective. And when you talk about millions of dollars for me, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. I think you'd also argue John Johnson, who uh, his 2023 number from the Browns is 13.5, an 875 base, a 375 prorated bonus, and a roster bonus of a million. If he has another rough half of the year, they can get out of that deal. Uh, after June 1st, I think there's a stomachable post-June 1 cut where they'd save 9.7 and only let go of 3.75 dead. Um, again, I'm looking at spot rack for this one, or sorry, over the cap, apologize at this number. And there's some stuff here about how they'd have to spread that out over years, but they could get out of that contract. So I don't see him getting that money 13.5 on the open market. I'll tell you that, man. So he's really fighting to continue to be on the roster in my opinion too. So he's an honorable mention in that category. Uh, what has to be better for the group to become legitimate in the second half of the year? I'll be interested in your answer on this one. 
It's such a hard answer because I'm not, they need to make sense. <laughs> like they absolutely yeah. as a defense, like I have no problem. The other team is on scholarship as well. Right. So facing Mike McDaniel this week, right. That's a talented offense, fast players. You get beat. That's fine. That happens, whatever. They need to show that they actually know what they're doing, that they can, they can have a solid defense, a good game plan. And if they get beat, they get beat. Not that they beat themselves. I think that's really the key because as a defense, whether Wood stays or not, many of the core players are going to be around next year. And so they need to look like they are competent in what they're doing because most of their blown plays are for sure things Joe Woods has not taught them to do. And so they need to show that they have the football IQ to know how to play defense. I know that is really overarching, but it needs to actually make sense. It does need to make sense. If we're, if we're looking specifically at groups, your point there is very valid. If we're looking specifically at groups, I think you could argue DT or safety. I think the DT group, I'm writing them off. They're just ne- they're just I just don't see them becoming better. Um, but the safety group really just between Grant and John, there have been some encouraging signs, but they've got to be a better duo. They've got to be a better duo if they want to have some respectability the second half of the year. Like to me, again, DT, yeah, it could be better, but I'm not expecting those guys to be better. It's just far fetched. They're just you're just gonna have to kind of hope your hope like hell they can eat up double team and fall on the ground, trip somebody, but like you're not going to get a bunch out of them, but the safeties what they paid, where they were selected, like they need to perform uh, better in the second half of the year. And I think we just answered which position group looks like it needs the most upgrading the off season. They might <laughs> have to get three. They might have to do four new defensive tackles. I mean, you're probably going to keep Winfrey cause he's early in that rookie deal. And you could maybe stomach Tommy Togiai, but like, I don't know, Jared, I, I think you could, very simply talk me into they need four new guys they 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 these guys are not it they are not it i don't know if they go they're not going to go four deep at a position with the tightness up to the cap like the, we know that they're all they're already over the cap technically for next year when they look at it so like it's not feasible but it's how do they fix this spot it's a it's a massive concern they've got a draft and they have to uh actually hit on a pick and sign maybe a, a veteran when they open up some money by restructuring some deals the way they will, they need a veteran that can really be a player because this position is bleak. The problem is, is defensive tackle is actually like offensive tackle used to be. There are very few players. And so the veterans get paid a crap ton of money and the really good ones generally get drafted pretty high. Not always, but Um, I think it's going to be really interesting because it seems like, and again, this is me placing thoughts into Andrew Berry's head that I think that I've seen from him is that he looks and goes, either you're a great defensive tackle and we haven't had access to you. You're a good defensive tackle and we haven't been able to afford you or we valued other positions or you're every other guy. And they've just accepted every other guy, the Tommy Togi eyes, the Taven Bryan, whatever hoping that they would be enough along with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. I just wonder, it feels like they're going to have to change how they see that position, how they value that position, because they just really haven't seemed like they do. Yeah, you can only ignore it so long. They're they're pushing themselves against the wall with this group and the challenge that, you know, if you just get Miles a couple respectable defensive tackles, how much that can help him, you know, like, 
TJ Watt isn't TJ Watt without Cam Hayward and Javon Hargraves and the type that they've had up front for all those years over there, man. Like they're that that's a huge element. It's a huge element of like taking game plan burden off of miles lap and giving him more one-on-one opportunities and creating more chaos in the line of sight of the quarterback up for the middle that makes him hold on to the ball a beat or two longer, you know? So uh, I just, I think that they underestimate it and I hope that they can find a way to rectify it, but it will not be an easy route to rectifying because it's not an easy position to find. There's not enough of them in the NFL. The top draft picks don't always pan out the way you'd like. And the, and the guys who are good are getting paid and they don't have a ton of money to pay. So just have to keep your fingers crossed they find some sort of uh low-end solution that can work out here but it's it's bleak um special teams guys i mean i will just cover the the two that have uh, that have uh that have kicked here right like uh i'd say Cade york has been about what i expected uneven right uh uneven um in terms of the the collective kicking stuff field goal stuff he's on the year um, let me d- double check the statistics. He's 18 of 20 on extra points, 14 of 18 on field goals with his two misses coming one from the 40 to 49 range and three coming at 50 plus. It's about what I expected. Three of six from 50, you know, learning the ropes. Uh, I would say he's not been below or above. Well, what do you think? You know, for me, it's, it, he, he is like a first round quarterback. He's going to get judged because he was drafted in the fourth round and he was drafted so high, came out as a the very rare undergrad junior kicker. So he's just got, you know, those expectations are, were a little high and they, they should be given again, a fourth round kicker. Normally it's fifth, sixth, seventh or undrafted. So for me, it's under uh, expectations given where he was drafted uh, and given the big leg that we saw, obviously he's missing the longer kicks and the two extra points, but that still doesn't change the fact that the expectations are, that you get someone less, just less than Justin Tucker in the fourth round. Maybe unrealistic, but those were the expectations. Those were the expectations. Corey Bjorquez is 10th overall in punting grade in the NFL right now, um, a 47.3 yards per attempt number, which uh, that number is uh, at 20. But but again, that's kind of skewed. His inside the 20 numbers have actually been decent. He has 12 knockdown inside the 20. Um, I think he's been about what I expected. Pretty big leg has done some actual NFL professional punter stuff. We haven't seen in a while. He's had a couple where I think he's outkicked his coverage, especially the one out of the end zone against the Ravens where he kicked a very low liner that ended up being 20 yards caught before his special teams was even close to Duvernay for the Ravens. And it was returned down to the 20. It was a terrible, you need hang time galore on those kicks, man. And he, he failed there and that one really changed the scope of that game. But I thought all year he's been fine. He's kicked it where he needs to kick it for the most part. And um, he's been a respectable NFL level punter. And I think the holding seems to have been fine from everything I've watched too. Yeah. I think he's a little actually over expectations for me only because I didn't realize how low my expectations were punting was (laughs) until I started seeing him punt and going, Oh yeah, that's right. That's what I, I, I should have been expecting or looking for. So I think he's actually raised my expectations of what a punter looks like, which I didn't really think that was possible or, or didn't, didn't expect that. Um, again, he, you're like, you said, he's not perfect. There have been a, a few concerns uh, overall, obviously special teams has been uh, might be the reason they've lost more games than the defense. And that probably is surprising to some people, but I I'm, I'm not sure, but I feel like that's a really neck and neck kind of thing. Uh, we just don't know enough about special teams to yell at Mike Prefer enough. 
we can't yell at Prefer enough. I still think that he is uh, is a net negative for the unit, but not, neither here nor there. We'll continue that discussion <laughs> later in the year and later on. Jared, this was fun, man. A lot of good content here and analyzing the defense, and I think we pinned down where the guys have been the first half of the year, and we'll see if they can rebound and have a strong second half of the year like they did last year, although the schedule for the second half of teams on the calendar looks a little bit more daunting than it did last year, but they need to. Joe Woods needs to get more out of this group the rest of the way, that's for certain. So I appreciate you, man. Absolutely, brother. Have a good evening, and go Browns. Hey, thanks again to Jared. Thanks again for you guys for stopping by. And thanks again to the presenting new sponsor of this podcast, FanDuel, who is uh, covering the OBR film breakdown for the foreseeable future into the Christmas months and right before the turn of the 1-1-2023 launch of in-state Ohio sports uh, sports betting. So take advantage of that opportunity I mentioned earlier. Continue to check out the OBR for written content and appreciate you guys stopping by for the audio form in this pod every single day. We'll be back with Jordan Zerm tomorrow. Appreciate your guys' time today. Stay safe, be well, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.